This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. This is our weekend edition. Eddie has joined us from Toronto or Canada or Sudbury or London, wherever he's from. Uh, we've slowly found out over the course of the week what it means to be Canadian. Eddie, how you doing, man? Doing good. I'm doing good. It sucks. It's uh, it's coming to an end, but it's been a great week. We, and we'll talk about the watch party, about tonight's game. Uh, we won't talk too much about the actual games themselves because those have probably been the only disappointing things of the weekend. But it's been uh, it's been exciting and, and just a fun trip so far. Yeah, it's going to be Hopper, uh, <laughs> Harper, hard to do a proper post-game show purely because we were hosting the watch party last night, which a lot of you made it out to, which we thought was awesome. It was a great turnout. Unfortunately, the Ducks didn't show up for the watch party. Uh, they played miserably in a game in Vegas. And then uh, tonight was Korea night, which was most importantly um, the night of nights for us being huge Paul Korea fans. Um, the Ducks weren't able to pull out a win here either against the Sabres. Uh, plenty of questions, though, yeah. to get to concerning these games, which is kind of how we'll take the road here. I think it'd be good to take a road on uh, just kind of how we feel overall about how the Ducks are playing. Um, I don't want to put anybody through uh you know to, to make them nauseous to relive last night's game which was brutal and then tonight to watch them not show up again almost give a 50 shots on goal uh both again games, both games are almost 50 shots on goal i mean we're almost hitting 100 shots over the last two games and the ducks i don't even know if they reach no they had they didn't even reach 50 or 40 they had 17 against vegas and 25 tonight maybe that so they beat they barely hit over 40 shots over the last two games, and they've almost given up 100. So that's a plus differential of minus 50. It's brutal. It's been tough for them, man. I don't know what's going on with this team, but lots to talk about. Uh, let's start here with, I mean, we have a lot of, like, a lot of shout-outs we got to give out to a ton of people oh, that man. have been yeah. meeting us and uh, joining us over the course of the weekend. And, and just FYI, Jason's unable to join us today. He had a long ride home tonight after the Ducks game as he lives pretty far away from Honda Center so just Eddie and I on the show tonight Jason will be back on Tuesday but uh, before we go any further let's kick this off the intro man and again by Benning Darnell Nurse left it in the corner gets up center Perry scoops Corey Perry Lillian able to shake away from Solani it's given away to Solani There we are. Here's some of the uh, the Mighty Ducks um, play-by-play there with the Paul Correa goal. It's fitting. Very fitting for tonight. Paul Correa's jersey retirement. What a moment, man. 
Um, let's talk briefly about that just to kick things off. It's just something that we as Ducks fans have been kind of waiting for forever, ever since Timu, before Timu got his jersey retired, actually. I, I always felt that Paul should be up there, just purely the being the franchise player this team had from the very beginning and all the impact he made on uh, my life and, and many others my age, obviously yours as well. Um, and getting so the California hockey up and running. Honestly, I feel like with Anaheim, without him, I don't think this team gets as much um, notoriety as they did without yeah, him. Traction. Or exactly. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, just honestly seeing that happen, I think at least for the three of us going to this game, all, all of us are really big Paul Creer fans. And honestly, I think you and me for sure, and I believe Jason as well, he's our favorite player of all time. Yeah. And just <coughs> just seeing that happen in that moment and seeing his his banner get raised to the rafters and then also seeing it right beside Timu's I mean it's just a great moment and and I mean the entire ceremony the speeches I mean Steve Richard was hilarious oh he was great his, that was great his speech was funny um the other ones I mean the, they were kind of generic what whatnot I I did like um uh Scotty's speech a little bit as well but Richard kind of stole, stole the show and obviously Timu but and then Paul came up and he had a really nice speech too, and mm-hmm. and he even touched on the game six goal, which I was kind of surprised. Yeah, that I mean, you they kind of flashed to him every now and then when people brought that up, and you know you, that's kind of a touchy subject for him. You never know how he's going to react, but he brought it up, and it was it was kind of interesting to see him do that. But honestly, just finally seeing that banner get raved, raised to the rafters, and, and it was a great looking banner too. I mean, oh, they, they it, chose the white. Good yeah, choice. Good and choice. It, it looks great beside Timo's and and it goes into their whole um, theme they're doing this season with the Anaheim Ducks versus the Mighty Ducks where they've got now Timo's orange black and and gold banner up there and then they've got uh, Paul's teal eggplant and white banner up there and it it just it looks great and it's fitting honestly these are the two pillars of this franchise and to see them both up in the rafters now is great Uh, it was well deserved man he thinks it's he's undeserving from it or for it, but uh, I think everyone disagreed with him. Obviously, yeah. Timu did. I like how Timu chirped him a bit, like, "Oh, you showed up." I mean, because Paul wasn't at Solani's, and you know, Paul's been hiding a lot. He's been very much a uh, a hermit since his career was over. With I mean, he he'd been quoted months ago after he got put to the Hockey Hall of Fame last season, saying that he hadn't put on any gear since his last game. So. Good to see him back involved in hockey. Good to see him very much appreciated. So many idiots uh, last year said they would boo him. Oh, yeah. And they would show up and boo him during yeah, Korea Yeah, now they're all crying like, during the ceremony tonight. Exactly. It's, I got to give a sh- – I, I know we're kind of on the topic, but I really have to mention it before I forget it. That comment by Timu, the, the Japan comment, <laughs> was the comment of the night. I mean, that <laughs> that was just amazing. I didn't, I didn't think he would go that far. That's like a border, like that's a touchy comment. I mean, I know yeah, that no, they're buddies, but it that's is. like, but it was great. I loved it. I mean, Ruchin probably had the best speech, but that was the best l- one-liner of the night by Timu. He's great, man. Timu's a funny guy, and he knows how to break things up, get everyone to laugh. I felt that all the speeches were awesome. I thought it was cool that all the uh, all the other former Mighty Ducks showed up and got to sit in the box with them and, and hang out. And it was a big night for them. Um, it was really all about Paul. It's a bummer the Ducks lose this game four uh, four to two. They held a 2 nothing lead. I don't know how much you want to get into the Vegas game. I feel like it's just it, it was a mirror image pretty yeah. much of tonight. It was really bad. It was almost the exact same thing over again. Okay. A little worse, actually, on Saturday than today just because they were so outplayed in Vegas where I thought they held a little bit closer uh, to Buffalo than, than they did in Vegas. And I haven't even looked at even any of the stat lines or the analytics or any of that kind of crap that I like to look into. 
just purely from a visual standpoint. But uh, we really want to get to questions. We have a lot of questions from you guys, especially in chat. Everyone's frustrated with how the Ducks are playing. That's one of the main reasons why we wanted to do the show tonight, to give thanks to everybody and then actually talk about the state of this team. Yeah. Um, well, we weren't even going to break down the game, but all the questions, at least in the chat so far, are all about tonight's game. I mean, this is, I think, the first two games this season where we've been able to, or not maybe we've been able to, but we've sat down and actually not really watched and analyzed the game. And now we have to somehow try and break down this Buffalo Sabres game, which was an absolute crap show, just like the game against Vegas was, and, and try and break it down a bit. I mean, we'll, we'll answer your questions as best as we can because, I mean, we're looking at Matt's comment in chat right now saying, so painful to watch Aberg on the first line. The fact that Getzlaff was put with Street and Auberg to start, and then they switched things up. And by switching things up, they put him with Cogman or Gibbon. Oh, it's so brutal. I don't get it. I mean, and then they f- eventually, uh, the last six minutes of the game, when they were down by a goal, they put him back with Raquel, and they had some great chances. I don't get why you want to put your best player and your most creative player with four guys who arguably can't finish. I don't understand either. It makes no sense to me. Uh, Raquel and Getzoff are notorious for having some sort of chemistry, uh, stemming back to last season, even season before. Um, very curious as to why they made those lineup those lineup decisions for Randy Carlisle. I don't know what's going through his head at this point. And I just feel like the uh, <laughs> the consensus from Ducks fans are yeah. Carlisle needs to get out. Um, Bob Murray has a lot of rethinking to do of how he's structuring this team. They are almost the team that we were talking about at this point of do they know they need to rebuild or just a couple minor tweaks away from getting back into contention? I'm going to lean more towards the rebuild sides of things just because they can't seem to figure it out. Um, but at the same time, you look at this lineup, I don't really feel that with the type of talent on this team that it should be this bad when it comes to shot differential. If these, ga- if these sh- games are close shot-wise, yeah. I wouldn't be so concerned. The fact they're relying so heavily on goaltending is the concerning part to me. This team just can't keep the pace with the opposition, and their whole goal is to get faster. But it's, it's you got to look more now. Is it is it the system that's failing? As I know, I've said many times, it's just you you can play a fast system, but if your system sucks, then you just suck going faster. It's the system. It, there's honestly there, there's literally nothing else now, and, and maybe you can blame it on the fact that Silverberg and. <laughs> and uh, Kasher is still out of the lineup, but that that's not going to help. Honestly, you can have. I think you can have everybody healthy at this point, and it would still look somewhat similar. I mean, we were saying well, when when Getzloff gets back, maybe it'll get a little bit better. But again, the last two games with Ryan Getzloff have been awful, and that's not that's not on Ryan Getzloff. That's just on the system. It's bad. It's set up for the Ducks to fail with the way they're playing. They took what they did last year. They said they were going to make the team faster. But what they did is they took Randy Carlisle's shit system and then they sped it up to a shittier system. And now nobody is organized and they have no idea what to do. And, and you can see it on the ice. They're disorganized. And, and that leads to them getting out uh, back-to-back games, almost 45 shots. I think I think Vegas was over 45 tonight. It was close to it, if not at 45. That's ridiculous. You can't win games like that. The fact they were 5-1-1, one, one, we said, was a fluke that they were even at that record so far. And we look at the last two games. You're not playing the best of teams. Vegas hasn't been that good this year. 
and we knew they would regress, and they haven't been that good. But they schooled the Ducks. That was that they were lucky. John Gibson kept them in that game, of course. And then what we've seen normally is on a back-to-back, Ryan Miller comes in, and for some reason the Ducks play better in front of Ryan Miller. But that didn't happen in this game. And again, you get the Buffalo Sabers getting 45 shots on goal, and you had a two-nothing lead, and then you end up losing the game because you can't win games like that. We've said it since the beginning of the season. The Ducks cannot win games if they're going to get outshot by such a large margin. And they're finally losing these games. They're somehow keeping it close. They were essentially one-goal games. Right. It's an empty netter. What are you going to do? Yeah. So it's ridiculous that both of these games were even close. I mean, Vegas honestly should have been uh, five or or six goals for Vegas in that game. But John Gibson was playing out of his mind. Miller played good in this game. He didn't make too many 10-bell saves like John Gibson did. But when you still allow 45 shots on net, it, you're not going to do much. And even with the Ducks getting more shots on goal, getting 28 in this game, the key opportunities they didn't really have, and they, they had the one good chance late in the third period where Carter Hutton had to reach behind him to get the puck off the right. line. And that was it. So, I mean, I don't know what they expect. It's going to continue to be like this, and I honestly feel like the whole year could honestly be like this. I don't see what's going to change it unless Randy Carlo leaves. That's the only option, honestly. I mean, looking at tonight's game, they were out chance two to one in the second period, and then actually, when it comes to high danger chances, chances then the circles in towards the crease were six nothing. Yeah, I mean, they were heavily outplayed in that second period. They gave up a two nothing lead, right? It's it's not like they were dominating, and then a couple fluky goals. I always felt like Buffalo was in control of this game, even when Anaheim was scoring. I mean, Steele's goal is a deflection in front, and Sherwood's. I mean, I really think Hutter or Carter Hutton should have probably had yeah. that one. Yeah. I mean, it was a decent shot, but probably stoppable that Hutton should have had. Uh, not to take anything in, anything away from Kiefer Sherwood, but uh, I, I just feel like the Ducks just the past few games, I mean, I guess you could even bring it out to the whole season. They just really haven't been there. They really haven't been there this season. They're They're keeping the games close, like you said, somehow. But, I mean, I think that's purely based on um, some of the talent up front that are maybe getting some lucky goals. Yeah. And then John Gibson and Ryan Miller in net. That's yeah. it. And, and I mean, I think you and me agree it, it really is on the system, but that doesn't excuse necessarily some of the players that aren't playing good that should be playing good. R- Ricard Raquel hasn't really done much. He had a really, really good game his first game. I believe he had a point tonight. I think he had a point against Vegas or the game before that. So he's sitting at uh, five points on the season. And the only good game was the first game of the season. And he hasn't really come out and looked like the player we thought he would look like. He's been all over on Getzloff's line when Getzloff was playing at the beginning of the season. Then when he got hurt, he moved around. Tonight he was playing with Comtois and Lundestrom, which I thought would be a good line. And they looked good at times. But I feel like the best player on that line was Maxim Comtois, which it really shouldn't be. And no. It should be Ricard Raquel. And, you know, Sam Steele scored. He looked pretty good. Maxim Comtois probably looked like the best player on that line. And then you've got Ricard Raquel, who should be, who didn't look like the best player on that line. And he's kind of been coasting along for most of the season. But what I don't get is, why do you take a player like him, take a player like Ryan Getzlaff, and say, you know what, we're going to try and spark you and make you play better. So here you go, Ryan Getzlaff. We're going to play you with these guys who have no finishing ability, and you can try and get them the puck, and they can put the puck in the back of the net. And then here you go, Ricard Raquel. We'll take the guy you were most successful successful with last season, That's and unreal. we're just not going to play you with him, and we're going to play with these kids and expect you to drive play when you've 
proven in the past that you can't drive play on your own, which is not a bad thing. Not many players can drive play on their own. Ricardo Raquel is a great finisher, and when he has the puck on his stick, he can make things happen. But they're really hurting both of them, I think, by keeping them apart. Yeah, they had a slow start to the season, but it's nine games in. I mean, put them back together. Uh, eventually, I think you'll get close to what you saw last season, but they just don't seem to fit in the system. So Matt in our chat says he disagrees with the idea of a rebuild, saying trading the majority of the roster, which you don't do uh, with all the young players, a retool would be more would be the like would be like firing the coach and moving out some vets. I would go more more towards what he's talking about with the retool, moving out some of the vets yeah. and probably clearing out a coach. Uh, I mean, I really feel like Carlisle's a problem here. Um, and we then have to see. I would feel like it is though. I mean, I, yeah. I really don't see our defense last season was not this bad and uh, but no. when i might say defense i'm not talking about hampus and montour and manson and fowler i'm talking about the whole team collectively those those high slot chances that uh yeah. you saw vegas try to exploit we saw buffalo try to do it again today uh we saw dallas just completely open it up i i, I don't know i feel like this is a coaching problem a system problem because the track record for these players is just too good to yeah. say that it's anything other than that. At this point, can you not just go back to the system from last year? As bad as it was, would that not be better than what we're dealing with right now? I mean, th at least they won games last year. Yeah, they didn't win them pretty, but they weren't getting outshot as bad as they were here. Yeah, they were still getting outshot, and yeah, it was still a problem. But now, like we've said a million times, you've taken a bad system, sped it up, and made it worse, and they just don't seem to fit. So yeah, maybe you bring in a new coach, and maybe things get better. I think we have to see, honestly, and, and how that goes. Um, as for a rebuild versus a retool, I don't think the Ducks need a full rebuild because I think they've done enough drafting. And the blue line and the blue, line's the blue great. line is young, and they're great. And I think that in a new system, they would thrive because they're, they're one of the most mobile blue lines in the league, at least the top four are. They're all under 26, I believe, still. Mm -hmm. John Gibson's locked down long term. You've got young forwards like Ricard Raquel. You've got Sam Steele come to Lindstrom looks great. He looks like he's maybe a year or, or two, if that, of being a, a completely 100% ready to play in this league. You've got a bottom nine all completely wrapped up. Maybe Ricard Raquel, you, you could probably say he's a first-line forward. You're, the only thing you're missing is replacing Ryan Getzlaff and maybe replacing a player of in the caliber of Corey Perry um, of old. You know, having a, a top first-line center and having a top first-line winger to go along with Ricard Raquel. That's really the only thing this team has to replace, I think. So the only way you do that is you'd be bad for a year. Right? Yeah. That's it. And uh, and maybe that doesn't that probably doesn't happen this year. Maybe it does. It could because things could go really downhill if they continue to play like this because they've been extremely lucky relying on goaltending. So that's what they're away from. I mean, this is hypothetical. If the Ducks tanked this year, if they continued to play like this and things didn't get better and got Jack Hughes, they're well on their way to being uh, e a retool, a f an, an easy retool. Well, they need to do something. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying they're going to be bad. I'm just... No, but people are saying we're nine games in, nine games in. Like, yeah. hey, we're still have a winning record. You know, they're, what, four, three, and one now, if you look. Right? No, four. Is it four, three? It'd be five, three, and one. Five, three, and one. There you go. That's right. It's... So people aren't completely down on this team yet. Still above 500. Yeah. Still winning. They've lost back-to-backs. But that happens. Some people aren't going to get upset about this. They're... They're just going to say it's a, uh, a speed bump. But if you look at the numbers here, shot-wise, scoring chance-wise, expected goals for, and you look at what Gibson and Miller are having to put up with, you realize that this team has a lot of problems. And I don't really feel like 
they can just turn this around without getting rid of the head coach. No. I just feel that that's going to have to happen. What does it take? Like, what, what, How bad do you have to get? Because right now they have a winning record and they have a ton of injuries. So he's got the injury card to play again. Uh, obviously, I don't think that yeah, would Yeah, but what work. defensive forward is he missing that's stopping them from being better defensive? No, no, I don't think right? I don't I think mean, the injuries are hurting them. from. But, I mean, he can play that card again. Right. Um, I don't think it will get him a new contract like it did or, or like, uh, not get him fired like it did last season. But right now he can say, oh, well, we've had Getzloff out for a number of games. Kessler didn't come start the season with us. We had Silverberg, who's still out. Cash is out. Richie hasn't played this Eves. year. Eves is still out. He can say all these things to help his case. I don't think when any of them get back, it's going to get any better. No. Because it's not going to help much. It's not like you have a, a generational player coming into the lineup that you're missing, right? It, these are role players and, and some good role players, but I don't think it's necessarily going to help. So wh- where does the firing come? I mean, the, this team would have to do awful. And, and they're playing awful, but the record would have to show up for him to get fired. Yeah. They would have to lose the next seven games, maybe more. Or just completely tank through the rest of this month in November. I think for it to even be close, and, and not many coaches get fired before Christmas. No, no, they don't. So it, if it happens, the Ducks would have to be really bad. And, and honestly, I see them pretty much, no matter what, barring a complete collapse, um, n- keeping him until the end of the season. They're going to. Yeah, he's not going to go anywhere. Who they? I mean, it's going to have to bump Eakins up. Would be the only option, right? That's yeah. it. That's all they can do at this point. Um, so the Ducks lose both games. We got to get to some questions here in a minute, but we got to give a lot of shout outs, man. We had our watch party at Lampos Pizza. A lot of people came from all different sorts of places. Uh, Joseph and his wife flew in from North Carolina. Tim and his son, Tim, flew in from Pennsylvania. Not for the watch party, but for Paul Korea night. And they were kind enough to come and join our party, which is cool. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and his family showed up. Yeah. Matt came and he bought me drinks and that was amazing and he was just a great guy. He came out to the watch party and he came out to um, Carl Strauss today and hung oh, yeah. out with us there and and he's in our chat today and and, and Phil uh, Bay Bolts who's in our chat as well came out to the watch party. Same with awesome. Dave and Michelle. They showed up last night to the watch party. Met up with them today again and McCann. then Tom Vincent met up with us again today. He's yeah. the one who won our Patreon tickets. Yeah, McCann who plays uh, NHL with us on occasion is sometimes in our chat as well. He was at the watch party. Uh, didn't get to meet up with with us today, Matt Angle, who met up with, uh, luckily met up with us right when we were leaving uh, Honda Center. Oh today. yeah, I bumped right into us at he, the end of it. He was walking by us and recognized us, and he met us there. But uh, I I hope I'm not. Free- I mean, we met Chip today. Yeah, and well. the guys from Anaheim calling, we, we ran met into them. Uh, Jake from Anaheim calling. So and then uh, James Kaberski left a very generous uh, yeah. credit on our tab at Carl Strauss, which you know, thank you very much for that. Just so much kindness, so much support coming from everybody. Um, it was awesome to meet everybody who, who showed up to either one of those. I think it's uh, just it just shows what kind of like a I think a cool culture yeah. hockey is. Just like a, and, and all the, the support that comes I around think it. That we've built with this podcast already has been amazing. I I didn't expect it honestly. I mean, we have only started this. It's not even been a year since we started this podcast, but being able to get so many people coming out and supporting the show has been amazing. And it, it's always great. You know, we we think we're doing okay and. We can check the numbers and see that, but when you get out to the watch party and you have people come up and show and show you how much they support the show and come up and, and tell you, you know, how great the show is and they listen to it and they love it, and then you go to the game and you meet people there and you see oh, yeah. it, and then you get people who are recognizing you walking by and saying how much the show means to them and, and how great it is to listen. 
honestly, that's been the best part of it is meeting all those people who enjoy the show, and it's it's so reinforcing to us to keep doing the show and and to keep wanting to do shows and and, and the fact that we're doing a show right now. I mean, we're both we're both dead tired. We're both dead tired <laughs> coming back from the game, but you know, we missed the show yesterday, and and I think we we both feel like we owe everybody to have a show, and we and it it makes us want to get on and do a show when everybody is is so friendly and so willing to come up to us and talk to us and tell us how much they love it. Yeah, we also met McCann and Derek too, two yes. other people we also yeah. were able to run into there. And as I had a bunch of friends and family show up, all, uh, also the same with Jason. So, thank you to everybody who came out, man. It was it was a great time on Saturday. Unfortunately, the Ducks played like absolute crap in Vegas, but that's neither here nor there. It was a good time. Yeah. Um, and then tonight with Paul Career running and everybody else, uh, everybody else today too was also really cool. Like you were just saying, running everyone at the game was fun to meet up with. Um, and everyone put in a bunch of questions, man. I think we yeah. should probably start. Start on, we'll start on Twitter, and I'll, I'll go from there. Gordon Bombay, who we met today as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, an OG in our chat who's in the chat right now. Uh, we met him today. I don't think I'll, I'll, I'll leave and his name. And Keith, real, other I'll one leave, we met today. Yes, we met Keith. I'll leave Gordon Bombay's name a mystery, his real name. Yeah, no one knows his so real nobody name. Nobody can know who he is, so we can all assume that he's still. We'll just Let's just say it is Emilio Estevez who we met today. We did. We met Emilio. Yeah. So, anyway, he, uh, fittingly, he has the first question on Twitter. Uh, he said, was it just me or was Auberg making a lot of noise today? Not sure the stat sheet does it justice, but he looked good from my half of the ice. What do you think? Um, He's a good puck retrieval guy. I don't think he really generates a lot of things offensively for the Ducks. He was on that line with Getzloff to start the, the game. I, I get what Carlisle's thinking is when he's trying to make this team faster. Yeah, he thinks putting together a team uh, or a, a line of players who can go retrieve the puck, get it to Getzloff, like Getzloff create. Those guys aren't finishers to me, though. No, and you, the, the main finisher on the Ducks is Ricard Raquel, and that's who should have been on the line with Ryan Getzloff from the get-go. And they just sub in that winger. They've been having a rotating door at that wing, you know, for years now. They haven't been able to solve that problem, but uh, they should have just kept that winger position open, let Ricard and Getzloff play as much as possible together. Because they're probably the best two offensive players in this team. Yeah. And they're both are honestly nine games in, but slumping. I haven't really seen a lot from either one of them. It's going to go, wow, they re really try and, and turn this thing on. I, they just haven't clicked. No one's clicked um, of note unless you look at the kids. The kids are the ones that have been potting the goals. But uh, I don't really feel like I was impressed with Aubrey to answer the question. Uh, maybe just from my point of view, I, I didn't think he was that great. Yeah, I think the fact that we, we, I, I kind of agree with you, but I think the fact that we kind of think he wasn't great is because he's put on the first line. So right. you're expecting more from him. I think yeah. when you look at what he brings to the ice on a regular basis and what he should be bringing to the ice is he's a, a, a fast skater. He forechecks. He hustles. And I think when you look at that, if you just take it with that sense and expecting that from him, I think he had a good game. Because I think I noticed the two forecheckers and the two players who hustled the most, I noticed, were him and, and Gibbons. Were the two that you you always see them? They were first on the forecheck. They were pressuring the Sabres defense, and they were forcing turnovers, which was a reason I think that Gibbons was promoted to Getzlaff's line through the second half of the game. And that doesn't necessarily mean they did well. I mean, statistically, Auberg was not a great forward tonight, as uh, as many of the Ducks were, if you're looking at analytics. But a lot of the Ducks were awful when you look at how bad shot attempts were, and a couple of them, I think, only about couple Ducks forwards and, and Hampus and Montour were above 50% in this game. So I like his hustle, but he's not a first-line player. He's a borderline NHLer. He's maybe a fourth-line energy player at best, 
But I think, you know, he did well for what we can expect from him. But when you put him on the first line, you're, you're looking for more of a different type of player there, like a Ricard Raquel. So it is disappointing to see him on that line. I mean, we joked about it before the game. You mentioned that you saw that Street and Auberg were practicing with Getzlaff. And I was like, no, no way brutal. they do that. No way they do that. And then they announced the starting lineup tonight in the street in Auburg with Ryan Getzlaff. No, man, I understand. I understand. Um, let's move on to the second question here. It was from Paola on Twitter as well. Uh, she said, I always choose a player at the, en- at the end of each game that impressed me. Tonight it was Lundestrom. Seems to be he is improving each game. Love how he's handling the puck. How, who impressed you tonight? Um, Impressive to me, Ducks-wise, I would have to say... Shoot, that's not that's not a uh, a very confident answer coming out of my mouth here. But I'll have to go with my boy Lindholm or yeah. Montour. Either one of those guys I felt had a really really good game. They were the best defensive pair on the ice for the Ducks. Um, I, Monty had a really good game. Yeah. I th- he had a couple of assists. Lindholm also played well. That pair is starting to work out. That Manson Fowler pair not so much. But since she's asking which player, I'll go with Brandon Montour. I think Montour had a good game. I think I'm going to agree with her because I, I like when I saw when Lindstrom was on the ice, what he was doing. There was a play that he made. Maybe it was the second period. Oh, when he opened you, the hips you, up like he was yeah, going to do fake passing and created. Oh, yeah, that so was he great. he took it behind the net. He came out and uh, he faked out a player and then he circled and turned his hips and he faced the front of the net and he fed Ricardo Raquel with a great pass mm-hmm. in front of the net and set him up and Ricardo Raquel couldn't finish it, unfortunately, but that was a, and a great play. This kid's 18. That's what we have to remember. I mean, this kid is 18 years old. He was just drafted at the bottom of the first round. You don't really see the, too many of those guys come out and make the NHL in their first year no. and look comfortable. And he's looked comfortable. And there was a play he made on the penalty kill where he skated it behind the opposing that He had a rush, skated it behind Carter Hutton. We thought, oh, yeah, he's got to make a pass. He's got to shoot it here. Nope. He has the wherewithal to skate it all the way back, make a pass back to the defenseman. And set up the play and waste time. So he could have made the risky play there and forced a shot and then maybe put some guys out of position. Oh, yeah, on the penalty kill. Yeah. He drove all the way in, didn't, didn't freak out, didn't freeze, didn't nope. shoot the puck. So Skits no right going to hold back it. Out. No, and, and he faked out the whole team. Everybody yeah. on the Sabres thought that he was going to try and make a play of that. But no, he just wastes time, skates all the way through the zone and drops it back. And those types of plays from a kid that's only 18 in his first uh, seven games in the National Hockey League, Everything he does always amazes me when you have to... Because you just have to sit back and remember, this kid is 18 years old. I mean, yeah, he played it in the Swedish Hockey League last year, which you don't see from many kids. So he has a little bit more uh, maturity and experience than most. But I haven't seen, at least for the Ducks, a kid come in in his first year like this and be so impressive and so responsible defensively. No, he did have a good game. I, I mean, looking at the way that he's... Especially with uh, the linemates he's been given, right? He's not playing with with like the Ducks top end he's had a couple chances here and there but I mean it's tough to come in like that and then have to play in a mixed mash the way that uh Randy Carlisle's been just giving up time on ice um do we have any do you have any questions at all about this uh this these lineups the way they've been putting together these uh these line combos um we might i'm gonna keep going in order because uh, uh, this one kind of is it was from chase said do you think the ducks will ever figure out how to keep the shot differential smaller or will it just stay how it is all season that kind of deals with the lineups a bit yeah do you think they'll figure it out I um don't. they have to and i think it starts with if, they don't, randy fire, if they don't fire randy carlo do you think they'll figure it out oh uh, no 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 because the players don't decide when they go on the ice it's all randy yeah I don't think they're going to be able to figure it out, man. I don't know what the hell they changed, but uh, the the glaring mistake for me comes from uh, switching up that top four uh, defenseman. 
yeah. and just mix mashing those. Boudreaux who always uh, got in trouble for this. Why is Randy Carlisle not getting the same heat? He switched up to Gus offline three times tonight. Yeah, what is with, what is with this? Uh, Why is it always Boudreaux's fault? And I know that Boudreaux's you know a distant memory at this point, but he was harped on all the time, all the time. His team would score. Yeah, sure, Carlisle's teams were better defensively, minus this year. Um, but Boudreaux's team would always score. Carlisle's team can't figure it out. And now they're hemorrhaging shots. So they're not scoring, and they're bleeding shot attempts and scoring chances all night. It's a recipe to get them fired. Yeah. Um, when it comes to line combinations, I, I, I don't get how he doesn't get heat for that. I don't care about the injuries at this point. Like You need to just stick with what you got and like, do play what works. I mean, because putting Ricard Raquel out there without Ryan Getzloff is just a sin. And then switching up Montour and Fowler after how well they played last year should also be considered a, a sin in this league. I don't understand what the hell's going on with Randy Carlisle, man. No, I think there's only three ways it, it goes this season. They either stick it out with him, and, and they just go with Carlisle, and he continues to play the exact same system he's playing. Or he reverts to the system that he had last year, which is basically a slowed-down version of what they're playing right now, or he gets fired. I think those are the only three ways that this season full unfolds. Unfortunately. Him. Yeah. And I, the the most likely situation is they probably just stick with what they're doing, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's probably the worst option. Um, I think the easiest option for them is to switch back to what they did last year and see if that works. The best option is probably firing Randy Carlisle and going with a different coach, which is likely if you're firing him in the middle of the season, Dallas Eakins, because I don't really think there's anybody else available. I don't know of many coaches who lost their jobs in the summer that are available. I, I mean... If is Alain Vigneault have a job? I don't really want him anyway. But <laughs> I mean, he's a he's a player killer. Yeah. So I I, I don't think so. I, I think they're probably going to continue playing uh, the style they're playing now, and I don't think they figure it out because I mean, if you're getting outshot this badly against a poor Vegas Golden Knights team this season and a Buffalo Sabres team, who yeah they look a little bit better, but you shouldn't be allowing 45 shots against against Buffalo Sabres. No. Um. All right. So let's move on to the next question. Uh, oh, real quick, Dave Rodriguez and Chat comments in. Okay, what do you guys think about keeping Lindholm on to repairing together because they've been playing well, and then splitting Fowler and Manson? As much as that sounds like a beautiful idea, because I would say the way Lindholm and Monster have been playing is probably worthy of staying together. It just clicked better when Fowler was playing with Montour and Manson was playing with Lindholm. You got to have two solid lines. If I didn't have to sacrifice output on the second line, I could consider keeping Montour and Lindholm together. But the way that Fowler and Montour play together was just—I mean, you have you have to go back. I feel at least for me, you have to go back to that. Now, if you split them up, you're going to get exactly what you had at the beginning of last year, which we all hated more than this, where you had BX playing with Cam Fowler and you had Boschman playing with Montour. I know Patterson and Schuster slash Shan are better than both of those guys, but that's what you'll have. You'll have Brandon Montour playing bottom pairing with Marcus Pedersen, and then you'll have Suster Shen playing with Cam Fowler. Now, maybe that would work out better. But that's going back to Fowler and Bieksa-ish, right? Yeah, You're, yeah, you're going exactly. back to what we saw a couple of years ago. You're having Cam Fowler, who is a great mobile defenseman. He's really fast, and then you've got a boat anchor with him, essentially, again, because you've got uh, Suster who will be sitting back and controlling play. And normally you would think this would work. You would think having a defensive defenseman paired with an offensive-minded player like Cam Fowler would work. Didn't last year. Maybe we could try it out and it would work. I, I think Schuster and Shen are upgrades on Bieksa. I personally don't think it would. I think having the strongest top four you can is more beneficial than splitting and, and spreading it out 
which is the complete opposite of offense. I think on offense, you want to spread out the wealth. On defense, I think having the best top four you can is is better because that bottom pairing likely isn't going to get stuck out there against their best line anytime soon. If you're at least you're very home change, rarely it's an issue. They only play about twelve minutes a night anyway. Right. So I think <coughs> the best situation is putting Lindholm back with Manson and Fowler back with Montour for more than one game. They did one game this year, didn't work against Dallas, and they scrapped it. It's it's like well look at Fowler and. Manson, it hasn't worked for nine games or for eight games. Why are they still together? It's just been brutal. I, it's I, been really just been brutal. I don't get it. I, I don't know why they're still together. I don't know what the the reasoning behind it is. One, if you look at the numbers, they've been bad together all season. And Fowler and Montour had one bad game together, and they haven't gone back to trying it out. I, maybe this spurs it after an embarrassing loss against the Buffalo Sabres. Who knows? Any more questions on Twitter? Yeah, we had a question from Tom, actually. Um, it might be similar because I'm reading it for the first time. But he said, so the question is, are the Ducks struggles, the system, the players, the coaching, or a combination of the three? Seems to me it's all three magnifying the weaknesses of others. So it's a bit similar, but what do you think? The system and coaching. I think the players, you can hold accountable, right? I mean, if you're a world-class player like Ryan Getzloff, maybe you should be driving more. He had a good night tonight overall numbers-wise. numbers, numbers wise. He was creating. Uh, he was driving play like he's supposed to do. He didn't have that trigger man with him. He didn't have Ricard Raquel. Ricard Raquel is just continuing to have an abysmal season. So when I look at that, I feel like it just goes back down to the system and the coaching. Why are they not playing together? Like, yeah, I, if there's a there's a problem there. Like we just talked up, we just talked about line combinations. You have to fire Andy Carlisle at some point. This isn't turnaround. You can't go this whole season getting out shot two to one every single night. You're just going to eventually give up a ton of goals. Someone's going to get hurt. What happens if a starting goaltender knock on wood ends up getting injured? You're screwed. You're if done. If Gibson gets hurt, you're done. They're, you're done. Because Ryan Miller won't be able to do that on a nightly basis like John Gibson can. No, not John, at all. John, John Gibson is out of this world, especially this season. And, and if he gets hurt, like you said, knock on wood, Ducks are screwed. If if he if he plays half uh, half of what he's playing this season, if he even plays like he did at the beginning of last season, which wasn't bad, right? the Ducks have a below 500 record right now. It's definitely a Carlisle issue. I, I will definitely f- start following along with the uh, hashtag uh, Carlisle out. Yeah. I'm I, at that point. I, I tend to agree with him that it is kind of a combination of the three. I think it's more so coaching and system, but I think the, some of the players are to blame. I think Ricard Raquel has been awful, and that's not necessarily all on coaching and system because no matter what, no matter who he's paired with, he's still arguably one of the best players and one of the best offensive players on the ice, and he hasn't done anything. So that's a bit on him as well because you can look at other cases of players in the league who don't have the best situation to work with, Connor McDavid, and I know Connor right. McDavid is a generational player, but on a nightly basis, no matter who he's with, he's getting things done. Nathan McKinnon, again, a, a player who you could probably say is better than Ricard Raquel, gets things done on a regular basis no matter who he's playing with, and you can look across the league and look at these players. Matt Barzell, who we played the other night. Right. You look at him on the ice, he's not playing with the best line, eight, line mates, but he was getting things done single-handedly for that team. And Ricard Raquel maybe is a little bit, uh, maybe a tier below those guys, point-wise and, and skill-wise, but he should still be getting things done on his own, and he hasn't. So I think in that sense, it is, a, it is on some of the players, because really the only guy playing out of his mind was Jakob Silver before he got hurt, right? and then obviously John Gibson. No, I'd agree with that. All right, let's uh, let's move it over to Instagram because I know we had a couple questions on there. I'll start that one off. I got it up. I got Keith 
settles from Instagram says, how is Carlisle going to jumble up the lines against Chicago on Tuesday? <laughs> They're going to be the same. It's going to be the same. I, I don't think Gessoff skates with Street and Auberg to start. Yeah. But those defensive pairings are going to stay the same. Oh, yeah. I think the defensive pairings will stay the same. Um, I wish I could predict who's going to put at the top line. No it, it could be anybody at this, this point. Is, this is the first time we've... Th- I, this is what I remember last time the most about the Boudreaux era. Is we'd sit here and be like, I wonder who's going to play with who. And I we haven't had that feeling in a while because usually Randy Carlisle had something to go with. It was the shutdown pit line was together. And then Getzoff was always with Raquel. And then that top line right wing was like the only question mark we had was like rotating of three guys whether it be perry or Kasha or somebody else and then for a while it was henry gritchie and Kasha, and it was just a fourth line right now with all the injuries especially he's all over the place for a while we thought i think it was henry henry was it henry comtois and silverberg yeah before silverberg got hurt that was we're the like, best line we're like oh that line's gonna be together for a long time then silverberg gets hurt and they're split up and then we're like oh gets live from raquel that's gonna be good all season and then gets us playing with Ben Street. Oh boy. Like and, and nothing against Ben Street. No, he's just not a first line winger. No, he's that's been just, great. That's the best of difference. And we called him Derek Grant two point in the last show, which he looked he actually looked okay tonight. He looked okay for what we can expect from him. He's a fourth line player and he gets in the dirty airs and he four checks and he does the little things. And yeah, he's not a great player, but he's got three he's got three goals on the season, so it's better than most guys can say. Ricardo Cal has one, right? So um I don't know. Honestly, the lines against Chicago, I have no idea what they're going to look like because these were embarrassing games. So 40 plus shots. I don't get it. Chris, uh, I'm going to butcher his name here, but uh, on Instagram, Chris. Just call him Chris. You got his name. Just call him Chris. Yeah. Chris Valdivia. I'll say his name there. Okay. He asked, what do you think the Ducks need to do to get back on track? Just It's just like a running theme here, which is fire, Randy, Carlisle. That's the only way. And for Dave Rodriguez, there's no update on Andre Kasha. He's been symptom-free for a few days. They were testing him on practice. Is, uh, that's the only really update. They said once he gets cleared by team doctors, he's, he's good to go. But there still is no timetable for his return. Looks promising, but we just don't know yet. Um, another okay. question here. This is for you personally. Mm-hmm. From uh, my good buddy Will, who's at the watch party, chimes in on Instagram. Did Eddie like the White Claw drinks he had? So those are... Um, like flavored waters with a little bit of booze in them. Do you like those? They were good. So I like them. There you yeah. go, Will. Yep. I got them suggested from Will, and they were really good. And, uh, again, Matt was the one uh, who was there. Matt, I, I, oh, he's I, buying you drinks? Yeah, he was the one who bought me the drinks, and it was great. It was honestly, they were good. I'm not a huge beer drinker, as you've come to find out. Oh, yeah, so we've, we've been ripping you all weekend. We yeah, know. but it's not that, <laughs> I, it's not that I, don't, uh, I don't like it, but it's also I, I don't have – uh, a taste of what I do like, and there's, and I'm not familiar with some of the. And it's super filling. Here. You're eating pizza too. Yeah, and it, I get and part of that. I get it. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of of the generic beer taste, so I've I've had to find a couple that I like, and there's been a few down here. We've you had. can like whatever you want, man. You no, have to defend yourself. Had, um, Jason's not here to ruin you. Well, it's what okay. was the the one we had today? It was um, the purplish can one. Oh, 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 Spaceways from Modern Times, we had that. Yeah, and then there yeah, was yeah, the, yeah. the other one I had, the tall can that I gave to Jason. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, Golden Road Wolf Pup. You had yeah, those two. those were so, good. Yeah. And then and then uh, Sailor Etoile was pretty good. I actually liked that. That wasn't that bad. So I found a couple that I like. I don't uh, drink beer that often because it is kind of expensive as well. So. Oh, no, yeah. We, I so. spent an obscene <laughs> amount of money today. It's uh, not pretty. So I definitely have to go back to work tomorrow. Yeah. But do you have any other questions? We had. I think that was it from Instagram. Yeah, that was it from Instagram, and I believe that I'm gonna double check uh, some of my messages here. That uh, 
You know, actually, you know, we had a question from Jacob. I I forgot that. I guess some sometimes we get DM'd on Forever Mighty on Twitter, and I forget to get to some of these questions. So this was from actually Wednesday's game, but I just want to get to it because it still is kind of relevant, and we wanted to talk about Maxim Comtois anyway. He said, well, Comtois has really impressed him. I feel like him, Sherwood, and Steele stay up when everyone is healthy. Do you agree? If he's going to stay? If all three of them are going to stay. Maybe just break down each of them really quick. Steele, Lundestrom, and Comtois? Uh, Steele, Sherwood, and... Sherwood, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I don't see Comtois staying. I don't see Lundestrom staying. I I, I could see Sherwood staying. But yeah. I, I don't see Comtois staying. I don't think, I don't think him... Getting buried in this lineup, night in and night out, just getting destroyed. Yeah. I, th- he's is not good for his development. I'd, I would rather see him go back to the queue and tear it up, and go play in World Juniors and tear it up. Um, and Lundestrom go back to Sweden and and play. Get yeah. some more seasoning on these guys. Uh, the the Ducks have a lot of figuring out to do, and uh, I think that they should really give the benefit to the players to go back and gain confidence because if they sit around for this season. Scoring an odd goal here or there is not going to do anything for the development at the NHL level right now. Yeah, you know, the fact that uh, Steel, Sam Steele scored a goal today um, and was playing in a position where we thought that he'd be sent down when Ryan Getzlaff, Henrik, and Kessler were all healthy, I thought Sam Steele would be the one to get sent down just to give us more confidence in playing him in the AHL. Yep. Because that, But he wasn't really a fourth-line center today because of how they were lining up because all the fourth-line players were playing with Ryan Getzlaff, so... He actually had some <laughs> good lineups. He was playing with uh, Comtois and Raquel, and he did okay. His goal was a good tip. He went to the net, and I think he looked okay. And he's he's kind of looked okay all season. He's had his good moments. That pass to Adam Henrik was great. There's moments where he's looked really good. There's moments where he's kind of shown that inexperience. Um, so I don't think long-term he stays up when the wingers come back and they start taking up some room and, and maybe pushing some guys farther down the lineup, and then Sam Steele gets pushed out. But he is a center. So right. if they want to play him fourth line center, he's probably the fourth best center the Ducks have in their lineup. So maybe he does stay up um, for Sherwood. Again, that all depends on where they want to play him and when all these guys come back. Because when Eves, Kasha, and Silverberg come up and come back, that's three right wingers right there. So Sherwood gets bumped, what I would assume, is all the way down to the fourth line. And then yeah. that depends again if they want to play him down there. Big one for me is uh, Maxim Comtois. Because now we'll really find out. It's coming down to the last moment here. Today was his ninth game. He's getting sent, man. Yeah, if he plays against Chicago, then he's staying up. But, I mean, if they send him down after Chicago, that would be that'd be It's ridiculous. worthless. That'd be so stupid. It'd be like... They like, might have to purely because of no. necessity. No, they don't have to. Call I mean, no, keeping him. Keeping him up purely out of necessity. He's a good player. Yeah, then you... I don't think it's a good idea. If you keep him up, then you have to play him... Most of the season, maybe they bring up Max Jones. Yeah, they could. Max Jones had two assists in his second game this year. And he's like Troy Terry good. lit up the AHL last night. For those of you who didn't Troy see, Troy Terry has five points in his first two games with the goals. So that looks good for them, and that doesn't look so good for Max and Comtois. But he's done everything he can. He had a big hit tonight. He had another assist. He's got seven points in nine games. He's not shooting the puck too much, but he's making bank on the chances he has. I think he lead going into the night. He only had eight shots in eight games, but. I think he deserves to stay up, but we'll we'll see. If he plays on Tuesday against Chicago, they cannot send him down because then it would be ridiculous. It'd be like it's burning year off his deal. It'd be like playing Troy Terry for two games at the end of last season, and then <laughs> not playing him for the rest of the year, burning a year off his ELC, and then playing him this year. And oh look, he wasn't ready. So 
They could do that. I wouldn't put it past them because of what they did with Troy Terry last year. I think, honestly, I think he'll probably get sent down. I think he deserves to stay out from his play, but we've seen plenty of times players who've played well, but because of their situation, they get sent down. The ease of being sent down without having to worry about being claimed, all that stuff has yeah. already been taken into account. Uh, Gordon in chat says, when do we think we'll see Max Jones in Anaheim? I don't think we see him this season. I think we see him uh, eventually. This year? I think we could, because if Maxim Comfort gets sent down, let's say before the game against Chicago, um, I don't. I think they want to give Max ga- Max Jones probably at least five to ten games down in San Diego, coming back from injury, seeing what he can do. Troy Terry is probably the likely call up next to replace Comtois if he gets yeah. sent down. Yep. Lundstrom, I believe, is at seven games, so we'll find out if he's going to stay up. So let's just say Comtois and Lundstrom both get sent down. Well, then Troy Terry comes up, and let, let's let's it it's just, it's hypothetical, but let's just assume Lindstrom and Comfort get sent down. Nobody comes off IR, so Kasha, Silverberg, and Eves are still hurt. Everybody's still hurt. Terry comes up. Well, you still got you got to bring somebody else up, right? Likely option maybe is Max Jones if he continues to play well. I wouldn't mind seeing him coming up and playing. But I I just he'd be on this roster if he if he was healthy to start the season. Probably, but maybe got Nick Ritchie coming back too. I just don't see him staying. Right. Up. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. No, you're right. I forgot about Nick Ritchie. Um, Once Ritchie figures out his uh, his contract yeah, or visa situation, rather now that he's got his contract wrapped up, we're going to see him very shortly here. I really want to see Max Jones though, because last time we talked to him. He was talking about how excited he was to play uh, professional hockey this year and get a shot with the team. Oh, he was and so stoked, and he just happened to get hurt at prospect camp. Unreal luck. I mean, last, he talked about how unlucky he was on the assist side of the game in Kingston last year and in London, and then getting hurt, missing a lot of the season, coming back healthy, then going into training camp, gets his thumb stuck on something. I think it was a jersey or something. Breaks his hand, has to get surgery, finally comes back. Hopefully he can stay healthy because I want to see him get a couple games. I want to see at least a chance for him to prove himself because I believed going into the season he was the most NHL-ready guy. The guy's a tank. No, he's, he's a beast. He's huge. He is a beast. He's huge. He's jacked. He's, he's physical. He's, he's, he's physically ready to play the National Hockey League game, whether the offense will translate or not. I don't know. He looked okay in the second game for San Diego. It's the second game back, so we'll see. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, Matt in chat says Steele, Jones, Terry need to be playing in the AHL together this year, right? I would be okay with it. What a line that would be. That would be a hell of a line. Honestly, it would be a hell of a line. Well, Terry was playing with Jones. It was it was Terry Jones and Sam Carrick. So, I mean, it's one Sam Steele away from being uh, Steele, Terry, and Jones. They would tear up the AHL with that line. Oh, I feel like so, too. I'm just, just basing on on, on uh, Terry's game the last two nights. Yeah, I mean. He's been incredible. Steele's looked better than Terry. In the NHL, I think eventually he'll be a better player. I mean, mm-hmm. arguably you could say if he goes down, he'll do better than Troy Terry's been doing. It's only been two games for Terry, so he could have just had two really good games and then maybe slow down from here. But it's great for both of them, I think. Honestly, I think in, in the long run, and we said this at the beginning of the season, seeing Steele, Terry, Sherwood start in the AHL would have been more ideal than having them have to start uh, with the Ducks. Having them get some more time playing top six minutes with the goals rather than playing up and down the lineup in Anaheim. It just turned out that they were able to play top six minutes with the Ducks because of all the injuries, but I really would like to see them get some considerable time down in the AHL and really hone their craft and, and, and just play, you know, 18 to 20 minutes a night. Yeah, they, they need to. They're not going to get that, that uh, kind of time up here. And I think eventually the way the system's set up right now with Randy Carlisle in charge, 
you're you're just going to get eaten alive. They need to be under Dallas Eakins, who knows how to nurture and grow these young players in a good system on a team that's going to be very competitive uh, with a lineup that's just star-studded. I think it's just going to be more of an encouraging experience for them and a chance for them to grow the game for them. So I hope that they get sent down. I don't I don't need any yeah. super young kids up with the Ducks this year. Let, let the old guys burn this one out and uh, maybe get the coach fired. Yeah, no, I think we saw enough of what we needed from them, but I don't think it's enough to burn their contracts because – no, keeping they, they them can't up, keep them up and do no, that. No. Keeping them up in this dumpster fire is not going to help them. Yes, not they're, at all. they're playing at the NHL level and they're getting that experience, but they'll take this experience back. You know, come to all, we'll take this experience back to Drummondville, dominate that league, play in the World Juniors, be one of the best players in the QMJHL. Maybe he's too good for that league. Yeah, sure. But then you don't burn the year off as ELC and waste it on a crap year in Anaheim. Right. Lindstrom, exactly the same. He's the, the one I would send back the most. Because of how good he's looked. Because, yeah, he could probably help this team, but he's not going to win games for this team. He's not. No, he's not that much of, these, of a needle mover. None needle of these mover guys yet. Are, yeah, none no. of these guys are going to win again. Even come to with the way he's played, seven points in nine games, he's not winning games for the Ducks on no. his own. So if, if you had a player who was doing that, sure, keep them up. And I've loved how Comtois played. He's been one of the favorite, my favorite players to watch all season because he plays physical and he, he's put up points and he, he's just done everything right. But it doesn't mean he d- he needs to stay up and, and burn that year off when it, the Ducks are going to get outshot by 15 to 20 shots a night. And it's the same for everybody. Sam Steele as well. I would love to see Sam Steele play in the AHL in the Dallas Secret system because guess what? Randy Carlisle is probably not going to be here next year. So let's keep Troy Terry, Sam Steele, Max Jones, Isaac Lindstrom, if he d- decides to go down to San Diego, if we can put all these guys down there except come to obviously because he has to go back to the QMJHL, get him used to playing in a Dallas Eakins system, and then maybe Dallas Eakins will actually be here right. next season and maybe bring a system with him, which most coaches will do. We all then, hope. <laughs> and then they're used to playing in it. I don't know. I mean, Troy Terry's looked really good in the Dallas Eakins system. It's only been two games, but we'll see. No, I, I have to say with you on that, man. And I know the word is beating up Randy Carlisle here, but there's really no other logical answer for how bad it. this is happening. He deserves it. Come he does on. deserve it. Yeah, we uh, Carlisle out. Uh, I know it's already a hashtag. It's already a Twitter handle, I'm sure. I know people don't like him. I'm along that same boat as well. But uh, not to cut everything short. How we're almost we at stretch an this to an hour? Hour. Um, I know it wasn't the, the exact kind of show everyone tuning in is probably looking forward to listening to. We uh, didn't want to put you through the pain of two consecutive losses and breaking those games down, albeit it can't, it is fun. We do enjoy it. But uh, we got to get Eddie to the airport tomorrow morning at 5 a.m., so uh, we wanted to pop in and say hi tonight, talk about some of the disappointment we've been experiencing with these games, and then obviously talk about Paul and meeting all you guys. It was a great weekend through and through, man. Um, just shout out to you for uh, making the 24-hour trek here between bus and airplane and layovers, and then you got to do it again tomorrow. Um, it was great having you here. I'm sure everyone here who met you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll have to do it again at some point. Maybe not this season, but maybe make it a yearly thing until you finally decide it's worth uh, moving out to California. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I mean... Next time, <laughs> you guys aren't paying for my way down here, so I, uh, I'm, I'm g- <laughs> then I can come up here and, and on my own, on my own time, not f- kind of feel like I'm freeloading it. But it's been, no, it's been great. Uh, being able to meet everybody was, has been awesome. Being able to come up here and do this show now, obviously live, and then doing the, the Patreon shows we did yesterday were fun. Um, it, it's just been it's been great because last time I came down here, I didn't know anybody. It was uh, for the stadium series, so I hadn't done any of the podcasts yet. I haven't done right. I hadn't started anything, so I didn't get to meet anybody. Didn't know anybody down here, and then, you know, what a difference 
five, six years make that, you know, now we were able to have a watch party and meet everybody down here and everybody knows us from the show and everything. It's just been honestly amazing being able to meet everybody. It's been great. And, you know, we'll be back with uh, our regular show. On Wednesday night or Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday show, in Chicago. Um, where I'm back doing 1 a.m. shows in, in Sudbury. <laughs> probably, probably in the snow because when I left it was snowing. So we'll be doing that again. Um, update on that is we did test YouTube. Um, that works now, so we actually will have video, likely, I would hope. No, I think so. Should it work. works. I'm telling you, it works, so we're going to do it and hope it works. We tested it while I was there. Wi-Fi works for both of us, so it should be a, a go yeah, for Yeah, Jason Tuesday. pops it, too. It should be no big deal at all. Yeah, so should, so YouTube will be a go for Tuesday. There will be a chat of its own for YouTube, but there will also be this open if you guys just want to listen to the audio or if Spreaker's easier for you. This chat will also be open. We'll be answering to both chats. If for some reason you want to listen to both at the same time, all the power to you. I don't recommend it because it will be really annoying to listen to a complete loop of both of our voices. But, but you can. But well, Yeah, you can. You have that <laughs> option now. So we'll be doing that. Uh, last update, too, is... I have three days of Forever Mighty Three Stars to get updated. So for everybody who's been uh, entering, the reason I haven't been getting them is because Wednesday I was at the airport, and then we've had a weekend down here just doing a lot of stuff. I haven't really had a lot of time to sit down and get to editing those. I mean, we barely got some of our shows out and edited. So I'll have that up and ready to go for uh, probably Tuesday. Yeah, so you'll have your Forever Mighty Three Stars. If you guys haven't already tuned in to, I know some of the people in Patreon are already in our chat, but if you haven't already tuned into our Patreon, had a couple of fun shows. We did, we posted our Pucks and Brews show. We talked hockey, drink some beers, and then uh, we have our top 10 show. We did the top 10 ducks of all time. We are going to be doing a, uh, posting that show this week for sure. And then uh, on Tuesday night, we're going to announce our third jersey winner. Um, we know we've been waiting to do that, but that's going to be happening here. Over the summer, we did multiple ways to enter have that jersey uh, sent off to one lucky fan but we're going to announce the winner of that uh, on tuesday you can go ahead and order your uh, your new third jersey from the ducks or whatever jersey you want to grab from cool hockey they're the great ones who sponsor that part of our show so we'll have that ready for you thank everybody for tuning in we appreciate it we love you guys you know where to find us forever mighty on twitter instagram and facebook and we'll be back with a new show back to our normal breakdown jason will be back with us as well and Eddie will be back in uh, snuggly, snowy Canada on Tuesday night. Have a good one, guys. See you guys Tuesday.